Turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5. That's where we're going to be this morning. Um, I hope you have greeted one another around you. Uh, One of the greetings that we use, it's question greeting type thing. We say, hey, how was your week? How was your week? You know, how'd it go? How'd it go? And uh, many times we greet one another with those type of questions. We could exchange how was, how was your week with, did everything go your way this week? Did everything go your way this week? Yeah, everything went perfect, yeah. Uh, bunch of liars in church, you know. Uh, I, I think of little children, not necessarily very little ones, but uh, as they get older, fourth, fifth, sixth grade, maybe even in the middle school years there and uh, their Christmas happens or their birthday happens and, and they see each other at school and they say, hey, did you get everything you wanted? Did you get everything you wanted? Maybe you could enter that into your greeting. Uh, hey, this week, did you get everything that you wanted? I, I think about that. And, and I realize that most of the time, we like to get what we wanted, right? We like to have things turn out the way we planned. We like to have uh, things set up and have a strategy about how we're going to attack our week. And at the end of the week, we go, man, it went better than I expected. Many times it doesn't. And yet, even the thoughts of, of did you get everything that you wanted? Did, did everything turn, go your way this week? Uh, reveals our desire. We, we wouldn't say it that way but that we would love to be at the center and, and, and be the most important one of what's going on in life. It is all well when I am king and I get what I want. Or for you ladies here, when you're queen and everyone bows to the queen. Um, today we're going to look at a, a passage and in the midst of our study in the book of Galatians that talks about freedom in Christ. Freedom in Christ. And, and what I want to talk about today, what God's word wants to show us, what God wants to speak into our minds through the Apostle Paul to the church at Galatia, is, you know, what do we do with freedom in Christ? What is it for? And how will it change the purpose and the, really the, the agenda for our weeks and our days? If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you from Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to look at three verses today, verses 13 through 15. And God's word says this, uh, for you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out uh, that you are not consumed by one another. God, we ask your blessing on your word. We ask that you would help us to clarify in our own minds and hearts uh, what it is to walk with you, what it is to be a Christian, what it is to be free because of Christ. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. A little bit of background, the book of Galatians is written 
tackle kind of the issue of circumcision, but not just the issue of circumcision. It's the issue of all the laws and rules and regulations that the Jews had. And as you think about that, you think about this, these Gentile, these non-Jews, they heard the gospel of Jesus from the Apostle Paul and the others that traveled with him, and they responded to the gospel. They knew that they were sinners. What do sinners do before they come to know Christ? They just do sinful things. Uh, do you remember what you were doing before you came to know Christ? And, you know, we could have a great time talking about all the sins that we committed prior to Christ. And, and what they were hearing, what, what the reason this book was written, why Paul wrote this, why God prompted Paul through the Holy Spirit to, to write this, is so that they would know, they would know the true gospel, they would know what to do after. And when I say the true gospel, I, I want to tell you, he was attacking the false teachers. And why is it important to attack false teachers? Think about that right now. Why, why is it important to call a false teacher a false teacher? I don't know. Well, why is it important to not let a fake doctor do surgery on you? Why? Because they don't know what they're doing. And when somebody cuts on you, you better make sure that you're not the first one, right? And you better make sure that they weren't a D student, right? You know? You want to know what they're doing. You want to know that they know what they're doing. And if they don't know what they do, they're doing, they should be rejected and you shouldn't listen to them. And in the same way, a false teacher, when it comes to the issue of your soul, when it comes to the issue of your life and as you walk with Christ, if you're following a false teacher, you're following, you're following in his own footsteps on the, the highway to hell, if you were. And I want you to get this. This was a big deal. And as you read the book of Galatians, you realize that Paul's screaming at him. He's screaming at him. He's skipping over the general niceties and greetings and this and that. And he's getting right to it. And he's speaking to them maybe the harshest way he has spoke to anyone in the New Testament. And it's because there's false teachers. And what were they doing? Well, the false teachers were uh, trying to add to the gospel message. To say that you're only saved if you accept the gospel and. And and the, the issue at hand was circumcision plus all the other things, right? And circumcision is the one that they bring up over and over again. Paul brings up over and over again as he speaks to the Galatian Christians. The question he's trying to clarify, are you free because of Christ? Are you free from your sins because of Christ? Or are you free because of Christ and because you're circumcised? Or are you free because of Christ and because you give the tenth or because you got baptized or because you go to Bear Valley Church? Or Bear Valley Church isn't in the book of Galatians, but... You know what I'm talking um, Or maybe it was for you that there was some camp you went to or there was some youth group you were a part of or vacation Bible. It's the gospel plus anything else. That was the false teaching uh, that he was getting after. That's why Paul wrote the book of Galatians and that's why it's such an important piece to us understanding what the true gospel is. 
I've said it before, even today, that, that I, I believe the reason the book of Galatians was written was because they came to know Christ, and, and many of you have this same testimony. You were adults. You were living your sinful life, your without Christ life, and that was involved in whatever sins that were included in your life. And, and then you came to know Christ, and you woke up the next morning and you said, so what do I do now? I know that life has changed, but what do I do now? How do I live now? I, I used to know how to live. I just did whatever I wanted. I woke up every day and I, I chose and went after anything that I wanted to go after. But what do I do now? And this is what the Galatian church was trying to figure out. This is what Paul was instructing them about. How do we live the day after? Today, as we look at uh, this section of Galatians, and I really see this as a turning point in the book, that he is going to give concrete answers or answer to how do we live the day after. So we get to verse 13. And I would say it this way, freedom to love and serve one another. Freedom to love and serve one another. If you look at verse 13, it says this. For you were called to freedom. It reminds you, if you, if you were with us last week, verse 1 of chapter 5 says this. For freedom, Christ has set us free. And so he brings up this idea of freedom. And then he goes on to say later in verse 1, uh, don't again submit again to a yoke of slavery. Freedom, don't go back to the yoke of slavery. You were enslaved, but now you're free. If you think about that, um, how, the, the question is, how do we live as free people, free in Christ people? That's, that's what we're getting at. Do you remember what it was like to be a teenager? I'm asking you. Some of you, some of you are, are thinking about it and you go, that was a long time ago. Yeah, that was a long time ago. And some of you confidently go, yeah, I was never like the teenagers today, you know. You know, the teenagers today are so entitled, like, you know, that's when you know you're old is when you start talking like that, by the way. And your memory's going because you can't remember what you were like. You think about it and, uh, you know, I think all of us struggled to some degree or another. We, uh, we, we were a touch dramatic, maybe some of you here, maybe the pastor even, um, and, and, you know, your parents were unreasonable, right? They were unreasonable. And every once in a while, they would say to you, Kevin, insert your own name in place of mine, uh, I need you to take out the trash. To which your response was, Ugh! Oh, no. I can't believe that life is so unfair. I can't believe you're asking me to take out the trash from the family that I'm a part of that I created much of the trash. I can't believe you're making me do that. And we, we would say it this way when somebody asks you, why are you taking out the trash? You'd say, I have to take out the trash. I have to. And as I look at this passage, I, I think there's a transition and I, I really think it's an important way to look at it. Is how 
because of Christ, because of the freedom that we have because of Christ, how do we have to live? But maybe change that to what is it, the, the life that I want to live because of Christ. I want to because of Christ. Because of what Christ has done for me, what do I want to do? How do I want to fill my days? What are, what are my new priorities? What is my new agenda? Because this is the life I want to live. He uses the word freedom. And as you look at it, I think most of us, you know, good people from the United States of America, we love freedom, freedom-loving people. We look at this and we say, well, you know, I know all about freedom. Verse 13 says this, for you were called to freedom. That word called is, brings up the issue of God. Now, now most of us, uh, when we talk about our testimony, we would say, this is the day I chose God. This is the day I chose God. I responded to him. And, and, and all, all that's true. Like, there's not an issue of like, you rejecting God on that day. Of course you responded. But, but how it happened, I think, is important to remember. And even as Paul writes, what he is uh, highlighting here is this. That God saw you in your sinful, Christless life. He saw you there. He saw you flailing. He saw you trying. Not very hard, but he saw you trying. He, he saw you failing. He saw you sinning. And at that moment in time where you came to faith, some of you took a long time, and some of you it was a moment, and all these things, he knew about all these things. It's he reached down and he called you to himself. He called you to himself. And in this passage he uses, and I would say in verse 1 as well, he says, not just called you to the gospel or called you to himself or called you to salvation, but called you to freedom. Called you to freedom. Which highlights the place you were in before freedom. What was? Slavery, right? That's where you were. And, and that's where everyone was, apart from Jesus. Apart from the work of God in your life to calling you. Uh, apart from Christ doing what you could not do for yourself. We receive freedom having been enslaved. Both Jew and Gentile now have freedom. And I say Jew and Gentile... The Galatians were mostly Gentiles, but the, the false teachers were Jews that were coming in. And as we look at this, we realize this. Those are kind of two different forms of slavery, aren't they? The slavery to a list of things that you have to do, and if you don't do them, you're not right with God. If you missed one or if something, you're not right with God. And the Gentiles, what did they fill their days with? Just whatever they wanted to do, just their, themselves. And so they were stuck in their sin that way, and the Jews, apart from Christ, were stuck in their sins of lists and laws and things, things to do. Two different forms of slavery. And he says, freedom. This is, now what you have is freedom. Which brings us to what do you do with freedom? You can picture yourself, and it, we live in a place where we have a gate, you know, we're not locked up for the most part, right? We're inside the gate here. But we also have right outside the gate, we have a prison. And if you can picture yourself as an inmate, maybe having been in there 
a long time. So much of your life, that's all you know. That's all you remember. And finally, you've served your time. And, and there's the, you know, they're getting you ready. And, and you get outside. And you're outside in the great city of Tehachapi. And, and you ask the question, what do I do now? I'm free. How, how can I live now as a free person? Paul brings up two paths and one saying, don't do this, but the other one, this is what you should do. The first one is this. He says, for you were called to freedom, brothers. He's talking about the family relationship or the family of God. And I really think, I want you to say, this is fleshed out. Your salvation is fleshed out in a church. It is. If Bear Valley isn't your church, find a church. Go there every week. Go there twice a week, three times, right? Bring back an attendance card to me just so you know. That's it's exactly not, but But have a thirst for it. Have a want to, right? Because you used to be outside the family of God. Now you're inside the family of God. Meet with them, right? Enjoy the family. This is the place where God has you. He says, he, he talks to these, he's saying, freedom, brothers, freedom. That's why you were called. Middle of verse 13, only do not use your newfound freedom, the freedom that you have because of Christ, as an opportunity for the flesh. When he speaks of the flesh, he's talking about sinful self-will. He's talking about where you used to be, right? I, I think most people who look back on their testimony, they know who they were apart from Christ. And it was characterized by certain things. Sometimes it's a particular sin. I was, you know, lost in drunkenness or out of alcohol. You know, like I I was addicted. I was addicted to it. And uh, we like to say addicted because we don't like to say sin. But anyways, like it's this picture. I was stuck there. Maybe it was drug abuse. Or or maybe it was just self-effort and proud. And you were always bragging and trying to be the best and we're just concerned about yourself. There's all kinds of different sins, but you knew who you were apart from that. And what happens? That was the yoke of slavery. Christ comes, and what does he give you? Freedom. He says, so don't use that freedom that Christ took your place, paid the price, right? Don't use that freedom for what? So that you can go back to fleshly living. Don't go back. Don't go back. I'm looking for the words to eloquently say this, right? So if God saves you from a sinful life, he sets you free from that, and you say, I can do anything I want right now. You know what I really want to do? I want to go back to the sinful life. And the eloquent way that I came up with saying, that's just stupid. That is just stupid, right? Why? Because we are stuck in a yoke of slavery, verse 1. And and if we're set free, what should you do? You shouldn't go back, right? That's not why he has set you free, that you would go back. And so he's highlighting this. He says, hey, folks, Galatians, those who are Gentiles, set free from your sin. Do not go back. Do not go back. You have freedom from the the fleshly life you once lived. Your life was filled with selfish living. Don't go back. 
Been there, done that, and I'm not, I don't want to go back. So there's freedom from the flesh. Now, uh, I, I want you, I want you, it's not freedom for the flesh, it's freedom from the flesh. End of verse 13, he says this, but through love serve one another. I think that's the heart of our passage this morning. But through love serve one another. What a beautiful thought that, that Christ set us free. What do we use the freedom for? Now to love one another. Love one another. It's interesting how it's written in the Greek that he puts uh, the the love. It's not translated that way because it's a little bit awkward. But you could translate uh, that, that last part of verse 13 that says, but through the love serve one another. And what he's highlighting there by the the love is this, Christian sort of love. And when I say Christian sort of love, it's not like, oh, they're like, they look like Christians. It's Christ kind of love. You see, our love and really New Testament kind of love was a totally different thing. It, was, it used different language. It was thought of as totally different because nobody saw life or love like that, and then it was embodied in Christ where he laid down his life for the ones he desired to love. He served them in such a way that he laid down his life for them. And and, and what he's saying is this, that freedom that you received because of Christ, that love that you received, God the Father gave in his son Jesus, that you received that kind of love, that kind of love. Use that kind of love To do what? To serve one another. To serve one another. Freedom for loving service. The love, Christian love, Christ's love for the Galatians, Christ's love for the Bear Valley Churchers. Now on the basis of uh, God showing his love through his son Jesus to us, Christ being the model for them of love, now they are called to love one another. I wrote it like this. Is we are free, free people, to now be happy slave worker lovers, right? That's what we are. We're happy to do it. We're happy to do it. We're, we're free to do it. And yet it's slave sort of work. The, the language there of service is not just one of... Uh, uh, some kind of servant that is proper and this is that. It's the kind of love, it's the kind of service that a slave would do. He lays down his life for the ones he's serving. This is the picture and the call to us is that because we are loved by God, we respond in love for him by doing what? By loving others. By loving others. Um. I'll just stop here because I think it's really highlighted throughout the passage. We'll come back to it. But what did uh, the false teachers say? How do you live the day after? It came to faith. The false teachers show up. They say, hey, I've trusted in Christ. What else do I need to do? What will the false teachers say? Glad you're here. Circumcision's next. Need to be circumcised. Great, great. Okay, I'll get circumcised. 
been circumcised. What do I do now? What do I do now? Oh, there's some other things i got to give you. And they chart a course of things that they could do. By the way, by the way, um, years later, after being circumcised, you'd still be asking that question, what do I do today? You can't be circumcised again, right? They'd point back and they'd say, well, I know I'm good with God. Why? I've been circumcised. I went to that one sacrifice. Remember that lamb died? I, I did that. I paid. I paid for it. They're checking off a list. And, and what is replacing that? What is the new free life replacing all this list with? Love one another. Love one another. Sacrificially service-oriented, like Jesus, because of the freedom that you have, love one another. Love one another. And so we become free, happy slave workers that love others. And our freedom is freedom to love and serve one another. Which brings us to verse 14. What love looks like. What love looks like. Verse 14 says this. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 14, it says the whole law. If If you think about this passage, it's quoting Jesus who's quoting really Moses and Leviticus, right? He, he, it's all going back, Leviticus 19, Matthew 22. There's a, a couple other passages that cross-reference that. But now in the book of Galatians, he's saying, I, I got something for you. I got something for you to do. It's love. And, and he says the whole law is fulfilled in this one word. If you look back to Matthew 22, you'll see that he, this is the second one, right? You're supposed to love God, and the second one is this, and these two together embody all of it, is what? It's to love your neighbor as yourself. I find it interesting that they were fascinated by the law. The Gentiles were fascinated. They didn't grow up with it. And, and they would watch as the Jews were always following laws and, you know, wearing different clothes and doing different festivals and going to different... They were always doing different things. And, and doing things, by the way, make us feel good. They make us feel good. And I went to that. You know, I must be okay because I went to that. I, I participated in that. I got circumcised. Like, there, there's things that you do and oh, I feel good about it, you know. But what he says is this. Hey, let, let me tell you about the whole law. And they're like, oh, whole law. This is going to be... The, the master class today. Tell me about the whole law. He says, it's one thing. It's one thing. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. As you look at this, uh, the Galatians were greatly intrigued by the law. And that's why they were at risk to add to their salvation circumcision. It seemed like that would be a good thing. But Paul writes a warning. He writes uh, condemning the false teachers, saying it's not circumcision. What is it? It's to love your neighbor as yourself. Which begs the question, what's the question that should come out of that question? Who is your neighbor? Who is your neighbor? Now, this is a very philosophical question. I've heard Teachers and politicians and community leaders talk about this over and over again. 
and say, well, who's your neighbor, you know? You should love your neighbor as yourself. You Christians should love your neighbor as yourself. Let me tell you who your neighbor is. Okay, you ready? If you're married, it's your wife or your husband. You say, no, 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 we live in the same house. Your neighbor, the one that you're called to love is who? It's your, your wife or your husband. I, I, I want to warn you about this. Sometimes we like to think of these things as somewhat philosophical and like there's a duty to do this. And, and we go, who am I supposed to love? I'm supposed to love my neighbor. Get out of my way, wife. Get out of my way, husband. I need to go do what God wants me to do. I'm going to go find some neighbor to love. I want to tell you, I want to tell you, I want to tell you, the people in your life, you know, your husband or your wife, and it's going to go from here, right? Some of you know where this is going. Husband, wife, that's, where, that's who you're supposed to love. Who else? Your kids and your grandkids. Kids and your grandkids. Those little brats that are in your home. They wreck your stuff. They spilled juice boxes and applesauce on your carpet. Those ones. Those are your neighbors. You say, no, I'm going to go out. I'm going to go find somebody else, somebody out there. No, no. You're supposed to love them. You're supposed to love them. As I'm thinking about this, so you have kids and grandkids, but you also have brothers and sisters, right? Maybe you have parents even. Some of you have old parents. You're, you're in the middle or you're on the bottom of the, the pyramid there, and you have parents. And, and, and I'll be honest. I'm one of them, you know. We might be difficult to love. We might be difficult to love. And you might want to say, ah, I'll go find a neighbor, I'll go find someone that I don't know, and I'll, I'll display the love of Christ to some stranger. That's loving my neighbor. I want to tell you that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about husbands, wives, kids, grandkids, brothers, sisters, other family, and also, and also the people you work with, definitely the people you go to church with, Definitely the people maybe you live next to, the real neighbors that you have. It's been interesting these last few years. I've heard politicians over and over again, high and mighty, haters of Christ, haters of the scripture, say, oh, but it's written. You need to love your neighbor. And so uh, the the idea of uh, doing what's best for all, and which we've decided, by the way, I don't want to get too much into this. I really don't. Especially on a week where the World Economic Forum met and various other. Anyways, um, if you don't know anything and consider yourself blessed. Um, I, I want you to get this picture that, that God isn't calling us to love people we don't know or don't see. He's calling us to display the love of Christ within those of our community. And those of our community starts with the people in our home. Those are the ones we are to love. And, and this idea that we can, you know, be selfish people in our home and then go out to love one another, that's missing the point of the scripture. 
That's missing the point of your freedom in Christ. That he's made you free to love one another. And so as you look at this, your wife or your husband, your kids or your grandkids, your mom or your dad, your your grandparents, your church, your relationship with the people in this community, those people who you live next to and work with, there should be the love of Christ as God has loved you in his son Jesus, you now are called to love one another. And that's different. That's different than the life that you were living. It's interesting, if you look at verse 14, I titled it, What Love Looks Like. And in verse 15, it's what it doesn't look like. It's what it doesn't look like. And, and, and Paul's not just contrasting this. If you, if you hear the words here, he's saying, don't do it. Don't do it. Warning. Lights flashing. Don't touch it. If you miss this, it's a dangerous thing. It's just like the false teachers. It's going to ruin you. Love one another is the call. Verse 15 says this. But if, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Yikes. Uh, let me ask you a question. Picture yourself uh, at the surprise box here. You're, you're at the surprise box and you're spaced out and you're seeing your friends. We always love, uh, I don't know if you can see it, but some of the girls sometimes they come up here and they're running down the aisle and they see their friend and they give their friend a hug like they've never seen him before. They got off the plane or something like that and they're, they're down here and, and they're kind of spaced out. They're thinking of different things. Some people are, you know, it, it's just kids. But, but if I asked him a question, if I asked you a question, and you were down here as a kid, and I said, are we supposed to bite and eat one another? Most kids would get it right. No, eating people and biting people is bad. They would know that. And then some of them would confess right away. Oh, I bit that one kid, but he deserved it, you know. Took my toy, wasn't sharing, you know, uh, biting. What a picture, right? Biting and devouring one another. And as you think about that imagery, what do you think he's talking about? I want to point something out to you. What what are we called to do in the previous two verses? What are we to to do? Love one another. Uh, So if you just, you know, this could be a three-point message in these verses. Love one another, devour one another, consume one another. Those are your options, right? It's really only two. The two are repeated, or three are repeated at the end there, right? Well, how are we supposed to relate to one another? Because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because of freedom, what are we supposed to do with freedom? Serve one another in love. That's what we're supposed to do. If you don't, what will you do? You'll do the last verse there, the warning there. Many of you are like me. You're from my era. My era, you're, you're still very young. You're still very young if you're from my era. Very young. And you grew up watching Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. 
And there were some amazing episodes. The ones that were always best were when the zebra got taken down, right? You know, it was some kind of wild animal. You know, it was the slow zebra or the weak, and they'd grab them or, you know, some kind of antelope or something like that. And, and this wild animal is just tearing it to shreds. And, and you realize that, you know, and it's this life lesson, right? That, you know, sometimes that's what they do it out in the wild. You know, and there's all these lessons. And that's how they eat. And they got to eat. And it's part of the food chain and everything like that. And that's not very comforting to a kid, by the way. That if there's someone bigger, stronger, faster, and with bigger teeth, eventually you're going to get eaten. And that, that's the picture here. He says this. He goes, If you don't do it my way, if you're not free in Christ, if you don't use your freedom to serve one another, what will you do? You'll go back to selfishness and what will happen? You'll be left to be like wild animals killing one another. And I want to tell you, that's in families, that's in marriages, that's with siblings, that's with churches. That's what happens we don't serve one another and use our freedom to do what God wants us to do. We bite and devour one another. I'm reminded, you know, I've watched some of my animals, some of my chickens peck at one another and even kill one another. And I look at that and I go, that doesn't seem right. This doesn't seem right. It's not right. It's not right. But left to, to not have Christ, that's what it looks like. It's survival of the fittest. And w- what's so interesting about survival of the fittest is this. If I'm stronger than you, what happens? You don't make it. And, and so if I find somebody else, there's the math problem again. Am I stronger than you? Am I, yeah, oh, I, I am. So I take you out and I take you out and I take you out. What happens eventually? Somebody stronger than me. In time, in time, eventually, and then what happens? Then I don't make it. That's what it is. That's what it is apart from Christ. Survival of the fittest, and eventually we will not make it. And so I need to ask you right now, just as we're thinking through this, in, in, in regards to community, in regards to the people that God has put you in neighbor relationship with, what is your relationship with others? What is your relationship? Not, not what list you're doing, not, not things that, accomplishments that you're trying to accomplish. Christians many times are try, trying to, you know, oh, they look like a Christian. Well, what do Christians look like? I don't know, just the way they dress. They dress modestly or they, they look frumpy or, or uh, you know, they, you know they, they, they definitely, you know, don't worry about their appearance, you know. Uh, there's these things. Uh, or maybe, maybe you say, well, what does a Christian look like? And I said this in the first service and people scolded me, so I'm going to say it again. Um, <laughs> I'm a quick learner. Um, sometimes you go, well, a Christian is a Republican, of course, of course. And some of you are going, yeah, you know, you didn't want to say amen because I warned you about it. But like, you think about that and you say, well, a Christian is known by their politics and they're, they're known by the way they look. They're, you know, maybe they're tidy people too. You know, cleanliness is next to godliness, right? They have a really clean car on the inside, you know. 
Uh, or, or maybe it's they're organized, or maybe it's, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's even the words they don't say, you know, which helps if you're quiet, right? You know, if, you, if they don't know what you're saying or thinking, it's just in your head. But, but, but what I want you to get at from this passage is this, is the freedom is not to do a list of things. What is the freedom for? It's to serve one another. I want to ask you, what is your relationship with others? As you think about your brothers and sisters in Christ, as you think about your husband and wife relationship, as you think about your relationship to your kids or your parents or your coworkers, are you that person? Are you that person? You know, that you have the hall monitor badge or something like that. And you say, oh, you ran too fast. You shouldn't say that. You failed again. You struck out. Why'd you strike out? I would have hit the ball. Why didn't you hit the ball? You should have done it my way. You might look at their work and their, their, their attempts and tries and failings and you say, oh, I just wanted to tell you, you missed a spot. You missed a spot. And I feel like I should point that out to you because you probably didn't think bad of yourself as much as you should have. And I'm an instrument of God right now to come and point out to you. And I'm using my freedom in Christ to point out where you have failed. Do you think God needs you in that role at all? Does he, is he going to use you in your marriage that way? Well, that's making for a good marriage, right? Right? I'm, I'm sure your kids will be very blessed if, if they see you as one who's just pointing out where they fail over and over and over again. Parents, I, I want to tell you generationally, sometimes we struggle. Why? Because we're, we're saying, you're stupid. You're stupid. You're, you're like there's back and forth. And what are we called to do? What, are, what is our freedom for? To love one another. Listen to this. Here we go. I want to give you three questions as we close our time. The first one is this. Are you free because of Christ? Are you free because of Christ? I, 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 I want to say it maybe longer. Are you totally free because of Christ? Are you permanently free? Are you totally permanently free because of Christ? Are you totally permanently free because of Christ and Christ alone? A Christ alone. Are you free? Because if you're not, that's the only question that matters this morning. And, and, and I want to tell you, if you're not free, let's talk afterwards. I'd love to. Because that's all that matters for you. Are you free because of Christ? Second question. If you're free because of Christ, what are you using your freedom in Christ for? What are you doing with the days that God has given you? And then lastly, do you love those around you? Do you love them? With the love, right? What is the love? It's that Christian kind of love. Not like to put on bumper stickers and stuff like that. It's the Christian kind of love that Christ did when he went to the cross. The kind of love he loved you with. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes would not perish, but have eternal life. God, we thank you. We thank you for loving us first. 
We thank you for freedom. Thank you for the gospel, the one and only gospel. We thank you that the gospel is all that we need. Thank you that you have saved us from the yoke of slavery. Thank you for giving us freedom. Thank you for allowing us to follow you. Thank you for love that we can share. God, do your work in your church, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, church. Have a great week. Lord willing, we'll see you next week.